Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you today. Hope it's a payday for you. That's one of the best days in life, isn't it? You get a little money. That way I know I can eat out a couple days, right? It's a big, de- big deal. It is. I hope today is that day for you. It is the 10th of June. It is also the Top Dog Camp Day. We're going to preview that a little bit later in the show. Eager to get out there. Eager to get out there, to be honest with you. It's, uh, it's a lot of kids that uh, are kind of vying for spots in this class that will compete today. So I'm looking forward to that. I would be remiss if I did not mention the incident that happened yesterday in Meridian. For those of you that are unaware, the nephew of former Mississippi State head coach Sylvester Kroom was gunned down. Kenneth Kroom was shot and killed in the line of duty, serving the community. Reports suggest there was a domestic dispute. Um, I'm not even going to give the guy's name. It was a domestic dispute, and uh, Kroom received the call and went to go investigate, and uh, a shot rings out, and the reports are that he was in the process of saving four children and was shot and killed. Every life is precious. Everyone. And there are times that there are these crimes of passion that, uh, that happen and they're difficult to kind of comprehend. 
a lot of Facebook postings out there in advance of this that uh, have drawn a lot of scrutiny from the individual that's uh, suspected in this shooting. It's very disappointing. That community has been rocked. It's very, very, very unsettling. And so I'm not going to get into one of these uh, back the blue, um, you know, um, NWA, the police discussions. Not going to do it. But things happen in life, and sometimes people lose their cool. But, um, you know, violence is never the answer. It's not. And now, three families have been torn apart. Those that love the shooter, those that love the young lady who was shot and killed, those who love those children who were there to witness that, and those that love Kenneth Kroon. Not to mention all of the people that are somewhat affiliated, friends, extended family, co-workers. There's a lot to that. There are a lot of people hurting today. And our thoughts and prayers go out to those folks. I hate to begin on a somber note today, but I think it's important to acknowledge that. And let's not pretend that it's just another day. And then we have a bit of a connection, you know, to at least one of these families through Coach Kroon. It was his brother Kelvin's son, uh, Kenneth, that was shot and killed. And uh, I watched with great interest Therese Appel, former Clarion Ledger reporter, uh, now out there doing some work for uh, another organization, um, talked about how there were so many people in law enforcement uh, that, that knew Kenneth Kroon because he worked extensively around the state, a former Jackson Police Department officer. I believe he worked down in Brookhaven as well. A lot of people in Newton County awfully upset about this, some connections as well to the family. And so I, I share that today in hopes that we can have a bit of a dialogue. And, um, you know, it's never... <laughs> It's just never an acceptable situation, you know, to, to kill a loved one. I mean, it's, it's just not. And uh, I hate to sit in judgment of other people, but I think that's one thing that we can all agree upon. I mean, you never know what people are dealing with. And there's all this talk about mental health and things of that nature. And there are many times that that's kind of an excuse. You know, I, I read uh, something online. Somebody said, well, what, what did they do to him to make him snap? Okay, well, let's stop excusing negative behavior. You know, how about that? Let's stop trying to explain away negative behavior. At the end of the day, there are a lot of people impacted by this senseless tragedy. And so for all of us here at the Boneyard, want to offer our most sincere condolences to everybody impacted by this. And we hope and pray for justice. The, uh, the manhunt for the shooter continues today. And he is a former law enforcement officer himself, according to reports, recently relieved of his duty. And so you got to think, too, it's probably going to be a little more difficult to find a guy like that that maybe is somewhat... Um, knowledgeable about police procedure when it comes to manhunts and how to kind of lay low and stay under the radar. Um, 
But there are no winners in this thing. None. Everybody loses. Everybody. And there's nothing that justifies it. Nothing. Under any circumstances. The report I read last night is that uh, officials in Meridian say that uh, Officer Croom essentially died a hero's death and saved four innocent children from certain death. And so I share that today because I think it is important for us to acknowledge these situations and not just act like, well, it's just every day. It's not. It's not. And, uh, you know, for our, our men and women of law enforcement, they're working a job I would never want. I don't know how anybody would ever want to be a police officer today. It's always been a very difficult situation. But uh, there is more contempt and disrespect for law enforcement today than at any point in our history, I believe. I suspect that will always be the case. Uh, again, not going to give into a big... Uh, you know, dialogue about that sort of things and my political views and things of that nature. And uh, we're going to talk about some political things today in the next segment of the show. But uh, please remember these families, you know, your thoughts and prayers. And, and to be honest with you, and I'm going to be blunt with you about it, is that, uh, you know, your thoughts and prayers are, are insufficient at a time like this. But it's all that we can offer. It's all we can offer. And it just seems so insufficient. It, re- it really does. It really does. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. I love Bulldog Burger Company, and I love them before they love me. And I, I suspect I love them more than they love me. I like eating there. I really do. I always have. I was one of their first customers. Brian Haydad and I went. Shortly after they opened, we went and had a great time. And I was like, hey, this place is going to make it. There are some times that I'll go eat at a new place, whether it be in Starkville or somewhere else, and I sit there for a while and I think, you know what, they're going to have to pick it up. This is, this is not a good experience. You give them a chance to kind of work out the kinks. But from the very beginning, Bulldog Burger Company was a great organization. I'm very proud to partner with them. I like to stick with the winners, and that's what you get with the Eat With Us group. Bulldog Burger Company now has three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and the newest one, Lake Harbor Drive, there in the Ridgewood Flowood area. Be sure and go check them out. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They will make you and everybody around you better looking. That is now officially in writing on the menu. It is not uh, you know, something you can take lightly. We're always looking for self-improvement. We talk about self-care. Go to Bulldog Burger Company and improve your looks. It'll make you and the world a better place. I like that. Uh, I like the mission. You know, and I, I tell you, I, I've had been on a stretch here where those sloppy Joe sliders have just kind of hit the spot. That's a great lunch portion. Really enjoyed that. And I like that BLT salad. Again, I like it grilled. You may like it fried. Either way, you're going to be satisfied. Go by and check them out today. Get that chocolate shake to go. You deserve it. You absolutely do. You put up with a lot of nonsense. Treat yourself at Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. Are you aware, maybe you are, those of you that maybe don't live in the state of Mississippi, maybe you're, you're kind of unaware of what's happening with the IHL board. Uh, there is a new bill before the state legislature to abolish the IHL board. And uh, I saw the, um, you know, the pictures yesterday, and uh, again, a commentary, I guess, you know, I see people that uh, show up with these signs and stuff, and they, they go to the state legislature, and, and they, um, 
they make their voices heard. I don't know how much that matters, to be honest with you. You know, when you show up with your sign and that kind of stuff, I, you know, I know it makes people feel good. They feel somewhat empowered. I don't know that it's going to get one state legislator uh, to vote one way or another. I just don't think that's the, how government works. But, uh, hey, you know, teach their own. But you will not see me going before the uh, state legislator or legislature uh, with some signs about things that, um, you know, I don't have a lot of control over. I, I feel passionately about a lot of things, but I'm not motivated to, to use my precious time to go down there. And, again, you know, maybe we see things differently. I, I just don't think that matters. I think, if anything, it could become an annoyance. You know, like if, I, if I'm a state legislator and I show up and it's time to go to work and I've got all these people out here in my face and screaming and yelling about a certain cause, I, I, I might be inclined to vote the other way. So I don't know. But uh, to kind of frame it up for you a little bit, and there was actually a bill, I guess, back in 2020. It's not the first time. But uh, back in 2020, there was a bill that, uh, you know, was proposed, and House Speaker Philip Gunn actually killed the bill. Pretty rare political move there. Uh, it was uh, a Democratic move, I guess. Uh, the, the, the article from Mississippi Today says that 10 Democrats filed a bill uh, early in February of 2020 that would abolish the state's 12-member college board and allow each of the state's eight public universities to appoint their own board of trustees. And so Chris Bell was the, the author of the bill. And if, if memory serves me correct, he is the author of the new bill. Uh, but um, Philip Gunn, I almost called him Bishop Gunn, after that great band from Natchez, used what's called a uh, triple refer. I think that's what the, the, the actual uh, legislation, legislative term is. But he killed the bill before it even made it to the House floor for debate, calling the bill disrespectful. Um, there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of legalese involved, as there should be, I guess. You know, when what's happened and, um, you know, when the state legislators get together. But uh, the triple refer, they say that at the time, and I just got a message, they have uh, now caught the shooter in Ackerman. How about that? Not too far from us. Interesting. So good work to law enforcement there. Good work. Uh, but in the practice of triple referring bills is rare. And according to uh, Adam, I guess it's Gaucho's article, it said at, at the time in February of 2020, there had been 1,600 or so bills that had been filed and Gunn had only triple referred five of them. And four of them were related to Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act in Mississippi. And then there is this bill to abolish the IHL. Uh, so here is what, I don't know a lot about Chris Bell and his, uh, you know, his uh, allies on the state legislative body, but um, I don't know their full reasoning behind all of this. But, uh, this, you know, the IHL board has a lot of power. Now, the one thing that I would suggest is that more times than not, the universities get what they want anyway. I, I don't know... And maybe Mark Keenum could tell me differently. I don't know that the IHL board has really been much of a hindrance uh, to Mississippi State. I don't know if that's the case. I know there were a lot of people that were very critical of the IHL board when uh, when Doc Fogelsong got the appointment. 
to be the president here at Mississippi State. There were a lot of people that said, I right, Joe Board kind of botched that. And there were a lot of people involved, you know, when, when uh, Ole Miss ultimately landed with Glenn Boyce. And there was a lot of controversy about that. And I, I think people today would suggest to you that, that uh, you know, Chancellor Boyce has done a good job at Ole Miss. I think most people at Ole Miss now realize this is, it's been okay. But the process itself was very convoluted. You know, Boyce was like part of a committee, and next thing you know, he leaves the committee, and then, you know, the part of the search committee, and, and that then he ultimately becomes the candidate. Then there's been some Jackson State complaints about their their chancellor slash president search, and so at its core, basically the IHL board, you know, makes these decisions, you know, that are, you know, of a financial matter, and of course uh, with leadership, and since state tax dollars are part of the funding for the institutions in the state of Mississippi, there probably needs to be some legislative oversight. I think that's probably fair. And again, there are people who are going to have strong opinions about this, and I can promise you that people that, Steve, you don't know what you're talking about. And you know what? Maybe you're right. I admit that. But I think it's an interesting situation because here are my personal beliefs. And maybe that's why you tuned in today. Not about this, but maybe you want to hear what I have to say. I think Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Southern Miss, Jackson State, Alcorn, whoever, I think if Mississippi State wants to hire somebody to be the university president, I think they should be able to do that. I don't think there should be this uh, encumbrance to that. And again, I think there has to be some level of oversight. I don't know if there has to be so much control. When we got ready to hire Mark Keenum, and we nearly hired him the previous time, when it was time to hire Doc Fogelson, we nearly hired Mark Keenum then. There was a lot of support for Mark Keenum then. Uh, Let me say this. I am a Mark Keenum fan and a Rhonda Keenum fan, very much so. I I think the university has really thrived under Dr. Mark Keenum's leadership. Now, is that to say that Doc's perfect? Absolutely not. I'm, there, I'm, I'm sure there are some people that have had different experiences, and probably many of those people on campus, maybe they didn't get funding that they wanted. Maybe they didn't get you know, something approved they'd like, and so people's experiences vary. I don't know that Mississippi State's ever been in, in more capable hands. I don't know that we've ever been in a better situation than we are in now. And some would say, you know what, Steve? You know, Dr. Zach did a good job, and, and he did. You know, one of the things that I give a lot of, um, you know, credence to, and really I have a lot of respect for Dr. Zach and his legacy here at Mississippi State, you know, part of that is Dr. Zacharias believed it wasn't just propaganda, it wasn't just a line, but Dr. Zacharias believed Mississippi State was the best institute of higher learning in the state of Mississippi. And I think he because of his own passion for the university, helped Mississippi State people feel a little more worthy. He gave people a little more self-esteem, a little more pride in the university. And uh, I remember, you know, all this craziness. You know, when Ole Miss started the whole flagship thing, which is so incredibly stupid, you know. And Dr. Zach, a famous quote, he said, well, if they're at the flagship, we're the starship. I believe it. You know, at the time, too, you know, Mississippi State's a research university and um, just really have done a good job kind of seeing the maturation of the school in my, in my lifetime. And we've come a long way. We really have. And I wrote about the history 
and kind of the founding of Mississippi State and all the things that went along with that back in uh, in Stark Villains. And there's you know there's probably about 100 copies left, less than 100 copies right now. They're in, they're in print. They're available. So if you want to get one of those, you need to. I'm really proud of that book. People ask me all the time, Steve, what's your favorite one? And it's usually the one I'm working on or the, or the newest one. And, of course, Dogpile was a book I was born to write, and Flim Flam changed my life. But I probably learned the most writing Stark Villains. And I had some people message me and say, Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. This should be part of Mississippi history. Well, it is. It is part of Mississippi history. It's not taught in classrooms. It should be. It's not. But there were some things, you know, and I go back to, you know, post-Civil War Reconstruction, you know, with the Morrill Land Grant Act, you know, at the time... You know, the only true university in the state of Mississippi was Ole Miss. You know, they had been founded, you know, prior to us. And so as a result, they said, hey, well, let's take this more land grant money and we'll set up, you know, the A&M programs 
be another division of the school. It didn't work out, you know, because the, the bourgeoisie of Mississippi did not like the farmer's kids, the commoners, going to school with their kids. And it's funny how that, that same refrain happened a little bit later, a couple of generations later. We're not happy with these kids going to school with our kids, you know. And so, so this whole we're not snobs, we're better than you dates back many years. But they took the moral land grant money, and some money that had been allocated for Alcorn State. There are a lot of people that don't know that. They established Mississippi State University. And then we began to go. And there were a lot of people that stood in the gap for Mississippi State. I have read about state legislators that really kind of stood in the fire to even get Mississippi State, the idea of Mississippi State, approved. The university was founded in 1878. First students walked in the door in 1880. As you guys know, we started playing baseball five years later, 1885. Thank you, William Jennings. But there was also some things that happened, too, that, uh, that kind of correlate with, um, you know, with the folks up the road there in Oxford. You know, there were, there were many people involved uh, with the University of Mississippi that fought tooth and nail against the very creation of Mississippi State. They didn't want any competition. They didn't want the farmer's kids going to school with their kids, but they didn't want another alternative wanted to kind of keep all that to themselves. And what's interesting, too, are you guys familiar, and I wrote about this in Villains, uh, with the Felix Labov Scholarship. Are you familiar with that? You know, former French um, military man, moved to Mississippi, actually uh, set up shop outside of Macon, Mississippi, tried his hand as a farmer, figured out that wasn't his thing, and uh, ended up moving to Hernando. And uh, as part of his dying decree, he set aside a portion of his fortune to establish a scholarship. Uh, for orphan boys in DeSoto County. And so, because of the fact there was money involved, there was eventually this position established called the Labov Trustee. And so eventually, the Labov Trustee basically became a full-fledged member of the IHL board. And of course, they were affiliated with Ole Miss. So initially, the, the charter for the Labov trustee was they were just supposed to be a steward of the scholarship to ensure that money was, you know, paid and, you know, spent properly. Uh, it, was, it was really more of an oversight type position. And then in time, you know, there's always been this will to power in the state of Mississippi. You know, the part of the landed gentry is all of a sudden the Labov trustee began to be a full voting member on the state college board. So every other... Institute of Higher Learning in Mississippi had one vote, and Ole Miss had two. They had their regular representative, and then they had the Labov trustee. Well, eventually that was that was killed, and, that, and the, the, the Labov scholarship still exists to this day. Uh, and, and that's amazing, to be honest with you, even though it doesn't impact us. But those scholarships, of course, were allocated for those kids to go to Ole Miss. And it's not that, <laughs> that Felix Labov was an Ole Miss fan per se, you know, he was a man of education, and he was a man of the people. And at the time, the only university in Mississippi was Ole Miss. You know, some people have kind of misconstrued that over the years. But this, I say that to, number one, give some backstory, you know, to show that at times the IHL board has been a hindrance to Mississippi State because there was deference to Ole Miss. And they controlled the state college board for years and generations. And it's been in my lifetime that you've seen this stuff change. And so it's not so far removed. 
And so when I think about that and kind of the spirit behind that, you know, not the spirit of equality, but the, you know, um, you know, kind of the spirit of preferential treatment, you know, I just think here's the deal. I don't think Mississippi State or anybody affiliated with Mississippi State should have any say in who Ole Miss or Southern Miss or Alcorn State hires. If they want to hire a football coach, they should be able to do it. We shouldn't get a vote. And nor when we get ready to do those things, you know, Ole Miss shouldn't have a say in what we do. You can say, well, Steve, it's really not that that yeah, big a deal. Yeah, maybe not. But I think there is probably, you know, an argument for autonomy. I think there truly is an argument. You can say, you know what, hey, this is what's going to happen, and this is what we're going to do, and everybody could have their own board of trustees, and perhaps there's maybe some legislative oversight over the BOT. I don't know. But I'm interested to see how this kind of uh, evolves, you know, here in the weeks to come. It's, it's pretty apparent that Chris Bell... Uh, the Democratic uh, legislator, it's pretty apparent that, that this is an issue for him, that he is not just going to simply let go because now we've got you know, two bills filed within the, just over two years of each other. Does it make it to the floor? I don't know. And what's interesting, too, I read some of these comments, and I'll share a couple of them with you, you know, about um, kind of what's ahead here. And, th- and there's this new peer report that's come out, and that's kind of been the impetus to bring this up again. There's this new peer report. You can read that. You can find it online. Google it yourself. Um, and so Senator Kevin Blackwell says, we're not changing the process. Uh, we're not changing in the process of changing so everybody can relax there. I, that's kind of interesting. Uh, but I think what one of the things, I, I think the writer here probably could have cleaned this quote up a little bit, but I think what one of the things we do is we ask ourselves, how is this the way we should be operating? How can we do better? If we were to merge, what, would there be some savings for the taxpayers? Okay, that's always nice. I like to know that my uh, tax dollars are being spent correctly. I'm not naive either. Uh, so J- Joey Fillingame says, you do get a lot of questions, but particularly around times where you have a big change in leadership, either in the university uh, as a whole, like the university presidency or chancellors or the athletic directors and had football coaches and things like that. It's true. I agree. Uh, Senator Chad McMahon says, I don't think there's any intent to change anything, but we certainly want to study and understand the issue completely. So it doesn't sound like that there is like a lot of support to abolish the IHL board, but I don't think this is something that goes away. I think this will continue to be an issue. And, and usually what happens it's like it's not on our plate until we have to go hire somebody. And, again, I don't know that Mississippi State has ever had any hindrance, you know, making the hire. I think you begin to ask yourself, you know, do you need, you know, this level of oversight? Do you need this expense in one of the most impoverished states in the union? You know, is, is, is this necessary? And I, I go back to the, the whole Bob trustee thing. I think there are some people out there that simply want control. And that's not to say they're all Ole Miss affiliated. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to suggest. But I think the IHL board over the years, State College Board, no matter how you call it, has had, had some issues. You go back to the game of change. The State College Board um, had a big say in that. You know, and that's actually an alpha dog's. 
you know, we were, thanks to the Bill Stone family, we were able to get some of those documents that related to, you know, the state college board having to debate and vote and things of that nature if Mississippi State was even going to be able to go play in the NCAA tournament. And so, you know, I share that with you because, again, to kind of show some examples of when Mississippi State has been somewhat dependent on an approval or a decision, you know, with the IHL. And so shouldn't we, as a university or an athletics department, be able to decide, you know, what and when our students are going to participate in? You know, why would we have to have this, um, to ask permission, this whole other step in the process? Now, granted, it's a much different time now. We all get to go to the NCAA tournament now. But this is a, uh, a body at times that has had some flaws, and I think at times, too, uh, has been an encumbrance. And so my hope is, is that maybe some of you that listen to this, and I know that we have some state legislators that listen to the show, is maybe reach out, maybe give me both sides of the issue. You know, just shoot me a message on a DM, give me a text, whatever. Many of you know me. Uh, I'm just curious to see if there is traction for this, what is the positive for it? What is the downside of it? I think we, as the general populace, need to know these things. I don't think it's just something that should be, you know, discussed in committee. Is this something that needs to change? And because we all love Mississippi State so passionately, you know, we're we're concerned about what's best for Mississippi State. And so reach out, let me know, and if we get some good information, I'll share it with you. I won't dedicate 30 minutes next time. But uh, I just wanted to kind of discuss this today because – Again, it's come up again, and it just seems that they're now that you've got the strength of this this peer report, you know that perhaps maybe there may be more support to at least have a dialogue about you know what is the IHL board's function, should there be some changes in the mandate. And again, we don't talk a lot of politics on the show, but because I, I felt like number one, it's it's kind of slow right now, but also two, with this issue in the news again, maybe it's time for us to have a dialogue because we want what's best for Mississippi State. And, and the truth of the matter is, uh, I don't think many of us care who Ole Miss hires, right? I mean, like when they go hire their, their chancellor, number one, we shouldn't get a say. I don't, I don't know. that We don't have strong opinions about that. But there are other people that do. And that whole process, there were a lot of people on the Ole Miss side that were really, really lit up. And, again, I think it worked out well for them. I do think from what we understand now, Glenn Boyce doing a good job there. So I think all is well that ends well. But at some point, we're going to have to hire another president. You know, some, Dr. Keenum's not going to live forever. At some point, he'll retire. And so when that time comes, we want to make sure that we're being treated fairly. We want to make sure that we're able to get the person that we've identified as the best potential candidate to lead our university into a new era. And should we have to get permission from the IHL board? Well, currently we do. And so maybe it's time for us to talk about the process because you know how it is. It's like things aren't hot-button issues until you become emotionally invested in something. And so that's kind of where we are. It's like right now is a good time to talk about it because we don't have a decision pending before the IHL board. But should do we need this? Just some food for thought. All right, time for today's top 10 list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a longtime friend of mine. He is a friend in the mortgage industry. Now, fortunately, I haven't had to deal with the mortgage business here as of late, but um, 
you may be in a different situation. So if you are a person that is looking to refinance your home, and maybe you haven't considered that, maybe you should. It's like, hey, we're living paycheck to paycheck now. It's every week. It's a bit of a struggle to get through the week. Maybe it's time to consolidate some debt down to one low monthly payment that's also tax deductible. How about that? Get off the roller coaster of revolving debt. A lot of people have used credit cards to supplement their income. Maybe now you've put yourself in a negative situation. Consolidate that debt with the equity in your home, whether it be, you know, or maybe you only want to add a second mortgage because you need some, to get some cash out to do some work around the house. Maybe you've got a wedding to pay for. Maybe you've got some other issues. I don't know. I don't know your situation. But you have issues, and for now you have a solution. would close with Blair. Let me give you Blair's personal cell number because we're all friends and family here on the show. 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. Give him a call or text today. Mention to him you heard about him on the Boneyard. He'll pay for your appraisal. There are a lot of people that want your business. Blair's proven it. Simple as that. A guy that's been in the mortgage industry for 21 years, back-to-back years in a top 1% close ratio in the country, works for Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction when it came to mortgage origination. Closewithblair.com. All right, today's top 10 list, this is Roy's choice. Uh, Roy stepped up and uh, had a lot of people say, hey, Steve, I like the Tom Cruise list. And then I like the, 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 uh, the, the playlist that Roy put together. So, Roy, thank you. Roy was on vacation, no access to Spotify. Uh, I'm going to be similarly situated next week. So again, we'll get some programming uh, for you uh, on Monday. But um, probably do a Monday-Tuesday show and then probably maybe take Friday off and then come back the next week. So you might miss a show or two. I know you, you know, I, and that's the thing too. I like making you miss me. I mean, I'm very consistent, but I rarely ever take a t- some time to myself and, and my kids. And so uh, we're going to take a trip together because I'm about to have another one leave the nest. And, and, you know, I've got one in Arkansas, about to have one in Florida. So before everybody disperses again, you know, I would like to have a chance to kind of get together and celebrate family. So here is the top 10 list that Roy suggested. He sent me a handful. Some of them are really good ideas. Some of them I've taken some time to think about. But one of the easiest ones today is he said, uh, how about bands with couples? Bands with couples. Well, you know, you start thinking, oh, there's a bunch of those. And there are, but most of them aren't very good. You're like, Steve, no, you, you. It's like I see all these little alt-indie bands that sold 500 records and they get their picture on a list, and it's like, oh, they were great. You know, and, and I, let, me, let, me, let me opine here for a second. You want to know why bands, I mean, the uh, periodicals like the Rolling Stone are no longer what they once were? And number one, there's, there's online reading, but, you know, you could read Rolling Stone online. But here is, here is what happened to music journalism. Here's what happened. And, I, and there was a time that was my dream is to work at Rolling Stone. That would be incredible to write about music. And maybe someday, you know, I'll do that. But here's the deal. It's so interesting to me. There was a shift in the, I would say, mid-90s when it came to music journalism. And so we quit being reporters and in many respects, true journalist. 
to basically become, you know, advocates for our favorite bands. Now, I say that because there was all of this angst about rock music at the time. It's like, oh, well, you know, I don't yeah, identify, you know, with the guys in the spandex pants and the spiked up hair and the makeup and everything else. And then the guys from Seattle are too depressing. Metallica's too hard, you know. So I'm going to go hitch my wagon to this guy that's not selling any records. I'm going to go see if I can't help him. Well, there's a reason that he's not selling records. And it's not because he's underexposed. He's just not very talented. You know, that's the thing, too. I, I'm a firm believer in art. You write what's in your heart. You don't write for an audience. But what happened with Rolling Stone, and I'm happy to sit down and discuss this with them, because I remember it when it happened. You can go read, like, the Rolling Stone stuff that pops up online, and I do that sometimes when I'm getting a top ten list together. Like, it's some, you guys will ask for, you know, something about a, a particular topic or something like this. Like, I'd go Google, you know, to make sure I didn't miss anybody, bands with couples. And you go pull these things up, and it's like the top 100 songs from the year 1997. And you're thinking, hey, there's that. And it's like, wait a minute. Why is Pearl Jam at 89? What? It's ridiculous. And then you get like the top 10, and most of the bands in the top 10 are people you've never heard of, are bands that you just kind of have heard of, you know, maybe in passing. You've never seen them. Like they're never, they never, they're never on a radio, and it's like, so we become these hipster doofuses. It's like, well, this band is so underappreciated because uh, you know they hadn't had press, and so we compromise our journalistic integrity and put this. Oh well, this you know, Franz Ferdinand's the number two band of the '90s. No, they're not. You know, the people speak. And so, you know, I'm a guy that loves obscure music. I love being able to go back and find, like, influences and things like that. I love, I love, the, I love what I like. And we do the top ten list, and I share those things with you. And one of those things, too, is it's, it's an interactive relationship. You guys say, hey, Steve, what about this? And I put a list together, and we can celebrate that music together. But I would never come out here and say, hey, well, this band that sucks – but I kind of like the, the shirt the guy was wearing or whatever, you know, or the, the, the girl that plays uh, keyboards is really cute. And even though they've sold like 500 records, they're the number two band of 1998. That's what killed Rolling Stone. That, that nonsense right there, that's what killed Rolling Stone. Because people like me are like, and number one, I'm kind of a mainstream rock guy, right? I like 90s R&B. I can listen to some country. I can tolerate some of that. But I like to hear about new bands that are going to be big. Like when Blind Melon was on the cover of Rolling Stone, I was like, man, these are Mississippi guys, man. Look at this. Made me proud. But we knew they were going somewhere. Like Temple of the Dog, right? When when uh, you know, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden got together, they actually recorded that before Pearl Jam was famous. And then all of a sudden, when Pearl Jam gets to going, and people are like, hey, let's, A&M's like, let's re-release Temple the Dog. And so now all of a sudden, it's like, you hear Pearl Jam on the radio, you see him on MTV, and you're like, I want to know more about these guys. So you know what, Rolling Stone? Let's write an article. Let's get the guys on the phone. Let's get in an interview room somewhere. Let's sit down and discuss. Tell me about the band. What's your vision? How did you guys get together? Tell me your story. 
And that's what you should do because you, the better part of journalism is getting answers to the questions that your readers have in mind. And perhaps even some questions maybe they haven't realized yet. So it's like even with us at jeanspage.com. It's like all of a sudden on the message boards, people are like, hey, what's going on with this kid? And so Paul or Robbie or I or David or somebody would say, okay, well, let's, let's get an interview. Let's, let's get to the point here. Let's find out. You know, we are your go-between between the information you desire and the information you don't have. And so you have to kind of be able to read the room a little bit. Now, if, if I just wanted to get out there and write columns every day about the things that just matter to me, well, we'd lose readership pretty quick. You have to be in tune with what your readership wants. And there'll be times like, you know, Paul and I will text, and it's like somebody would say, hey, I heard this about a kid, and then Paul will text me. He goes, hey, let me, I'll, I'll get this one. And so I, I think that's part of, you know, our vision is that you guys basically tell us what you want to know about, and we are receptive to that. Rolling Stone saw it differently. They were like, hey, no, you're going to like this band. We're going to make you like this band. Yeah, they suck, and they're not selling any records, and they can't book any major shows, but because I want to be an opinion maker, you're going to listen to this. You're a loser. You know, it's like we, back in the day when we, when we had record shops, and you know, we have a few today, but used to you had one in every shop mall, and we'd go to Camelot Music, which was such a great moment, or you go to Sound Shop, Sam Goody, who was great. Bebop was my favorite, man. I love going to Bebop Record Shop because that's where my friends were. I, a lot of friends I hadn't met yet, right? It's where we met friends. It's where we found out who was having the party, who was going to the reservoir, right? And you, you know, you meet a cute girl or two, you know. You never know. Some girl would show up in there with some big hoop earrings and teased up pair in a Motley Crue shirt, and I was in love. And so... I say all that to say this, is that, uh, and I've kind of chased this rabbit trail longer than I wanted to, um, but when you get out and get things going, you know, like there's just so much with this music journalism thing that just drives me bananas. It absolutely drives me bananas. You know, basically we become, and I don't know if they don't take money for it, they become a PR arm for failing bands. You know, so it's like, hey, if, so when Bon Jovi played with Cinderella on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and many of you were there, I was there too, February 13th, 1987. I was there. I remember like it was yesterday. The, the concert sold out in like 10 minutes, and it was a big news story. And so the Bolucky Sun Herald wrote a story about it. The Clarion Ledger wrote a story about it. Bon Jovi at that time was the biggest band in America. That's newsworthy. What Rolling Stone would have done is Rolling Stone would have found like, uh, you know, Skid Roper or Mojo Nixon or something, and let's do a feature story on these guys. Bon Jovi's getting enough press. Well, you know, the reason that Bon Jovi's getting all the press is Bon Jovi's selling out arenas, man. Bon Jovi's got the number one album in the country. People want to know, and so that's what you do. You don't do all of a sudden like, let me redirect the conversation because I don't like this band or I don't like this team or I don't like this player or I don't like this coach. That's a problem with American journalism today, not just in music journalism either. All right, let's get to today's top 10 list now that I've chased that, <laughs> that, that rant for so long. All right, top 10 bands with couples. We're going to get to this pretty quick. And uh, 
I'll give you a quick story, too. When I was uh, a soccer player at Jones County Junior College, short-lived, went there, recruited to go play soccer at Jones, and I got there, and then all of a sudden a sponsor left, and they said I had to have a team. So I ended up transferring to PRC. But when I was at Jones, we spent a lot of time. Sometimes we'd go to the Sawmill Square Mall. Other times we would go over to Hattiesburg. But, uh, of course, it was cheaper, even though gas was about 85 cents a gallon back then. We'd go to the Sawmill Square Mall sometimes just to go hang out. You know, you, you could go to the food court. We were broke. You know, once a month you get some money from your family and go buy a CD or something. And I walked in the sound shop in the uh, Summer Square Mall, and they were playing this band. And, uh, and guys, it was awful. I mean, it was, the tuning was bad, the tone was bad, and you know that they have these like buy it and try it. And as so I walk in there, and I'm like, "What is this we're listening to?" I mean, and, and around you could think this is uh, you know this is like ninety ninety one. You know, so we're like at the end of like the hair metal movement and the beginning of grunge. You know, we already had, we already had Soundgarden out. We had Screaming Trees out. We, there were a lot of great rock bands. Rock and roll ruled the world. And again, kind of like the writer from Rolling Stone, you got the girl at Sound Shop, you know, wants to play her, her band. They actually turned out to be pretty good. They grew on me a little bit later in life. But I was like, who, who's this? She goes, oh, this is the Sundays. Do you like it? I'm like, no, they should be lined up and shot. You kidding me? Put on something with some distortion. What is, what is happening here? But I did pick them in this list. Top 10. And we're actually going to break a rule here. We're going to go with the covers. Uh, the Sundays had a couple good songs, and, and the singer's really, really good. Um, but their cover of Wild Horses from the Rolling Stones is beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. And yes, I had a very quick gong because I was a bit of a music snob in my earlier days. But the Sunday's version of Wild Horses is absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Number nine on the list, Sonic Youth. I believe these guys are still playing. I know that they went out on a major tour here a couple years ago. Sonic Youth, uh, uh, Kim Gordon and and, uh, Thurston are married. I guess they're still married, but they're still playing. And... uh, Sonic Youth had a huge following kind of in the alt-rock community. And uh, Kim did most of the singing. And I would have to go with the song Cool Thing. I love the opening riff to this. And again, the tuning's off a little bit. Uh, but I, I dig the song. It's got a little crunch to it. Number eight, going back to 83, but this is a timeless classic. I don't think that the... Um, I didn't do a ton of research on this. I don't think the wife is still in the band. But New Order released a song, Blue Monday, back in 83. And that song still gets played today. Think about that for a second. You could write a song like that, and 40 years later, they still play it on the radio. And it was really kind of the beginning of the techno movement in many respects. You know, a lot of people were using drum machines. It was, this was not synth pop that we played on Top 40 radio. This is what got played in clubs, and it's still played in clubs. Number seven... Going back a couple generations here, the Mamas and the Papas, uh, Michelle Phillips, an absolutely beautiful woman and an incredible singer. And I tell you this, you know, Mama Cass does not get enough respect. You know, Mama Cass was, uh, you know, she died early in life, but uh, what a remarkable singer. And I tell you this, again, it's a cover. I didn't include this on the list. You want to hear a beautiful song? Go listen to Mama Cass singing Dream a Little Dream of Me, the old Doris Day song. It is absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. But on our list today, we're going with Monday, Monday. I love the harmonies of the Mamas and the Papas. There's a synergy with that group. Uh, of course, they were very, very involved in, um, you know, in the 60s and, 
and uh, you know, kind of the rise of, of new and kind of protest music. Number six, I know many of you um, are huge fans of uh, Jack White. And, uh, you know, Jack's a big baseball fan, too, which makes me like him even more. Jack's actually involved with Warstick. If you're looking for a, you know, a new bat, maybe give the, the folks at Warstick, founded by a former Mississippi State baseball player. How about that? All right, but the White Stripes. Now, Jack and Meg, for a while, said that they were siblings. They weren't. They were married, and they were divorced, and they stuck it out for a while, and then um, it kind of fell apart. And I'll be honest with you. I'm not a huge White Stripes fan. I know some of you really are, and I think a lot of it, too, is people tend to love what was around in their college years. It's like because those memories are so precious to you, you remember the soundtrack. But the White Stripes, when you listen to the, the full catalog, a lot of it sounds the same. It really does. In some respects, it's kind of watered down, and I'm sure I'm going to get some hate for that. But Seven Nation Army is a great song. I almost went with, um, was it Fell in Love with a Girl? Almost. But uh, Seven Nation Army, that's your White Stripe song. That is the White Stripe song. Number five, and I put this band ahead because they've had more hits. And some of you would say, Steve, there's no way. No, 100%. It's the band Skillet. Two couples in this band, and uh, we're going to go with Monster. And they've had several big hits. They played them on Sirius XM Octane, which I suggest you listen to. But Monster from Skillet is a great tune. Love the guitar on that one. All right, number four. Now, this young lady here, Gwen Stefani from No Doubt, has had a lot of relationships. I don't mean that in a negative way. Uh, but, you know, she, but she dated Tony from the band No Doubt first, and then they ended up uh, breaking up but remained together as a band, and eventually she uh, married Gavin Rossdale from Bush. And I was also at that show down at the Lakefront Arena in New Orleans when Goo Goo Dolls and No Doubt and Bush came through Mardi Gras weekend. I was there at the show. And on that tour, Gwen Stefani, Gavin Rossdale, fall in love, ultimately have kids, got divorced, um, and I've seen Bush in recent years, and Gavin still looks and sounds amazing. Uh, but no doubt, we're going with spider webs here. And and one of the re- I didn't want to go with like the, the the prototypical. I'm just a girl, or you know, underneath it all, don't speak. Spider webs, a really really fun song. And you know, at their heart, no doubt, it's kind of a ska band. Uh, number three, and I think that when we're honest with ourselves, these top three classic couple bands are undisputed it's yoko no it's not yoko no 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 number three it's another beetle it's wings with uh, paul and linda mccartney and uh paul is a musical genius it's not a surprise that anybody would feel that way i honestly believe that some of his best songwriting was with Wings. And now I've got some friends of mine that are huge Beatles fans. They're going to say, Steve, that's sacrilegious. No, it's not. Because Live and Let Die is an amazing song. And, and I love the Guns N' Roses version of it. But Band on the Run was really good. But Live and Let Die is excellent. And we talk about some of the greatest songs in the history of rock music. Live and Let Die is on that list. And Guns N' Roses was the perfect band to cover it. But there's no doubt at all that that belongs on this list. Wings. All right, number two, a band maybe you didn't expect to be on this list, but it was actually comprised of two different couples. That's right. We're talking ABBA. And there are a lot of people that believe, you know, ABBA in many respects because of the harmonies really kind of changed American music because ABBA was huge in the States. 
But we're going with uh, SOS. You know, that's a breakup song, too. Whatever happened to our love? I wish I understood. This song was actually re uh, covered really well by Fozzie. That's Chris Jericho's band. So maybe if you're familiar with this and you like Chris Jericho, maybe give that a listen, too. But ABBA, SOS, number two. But number one, I mean, the greatest couples band of all time. And at some point, I think everybody in the band has dated or been married. It's Fleetwood Mac. Because, you know, Lindsay and Stevie showed up as a couple, and she eventually broke up with him and dated uh, Mick Fleetwood for a while. And then there's John and Chris McVie. And, you know, and so they're very connected, shall we say. Lindsay no longer in the band. I'm a huge Lindsey Buckingham fan because uh, I play guitar poorly and uh, recently just picked it back up. But I have so much respect for Lindsey Buckingham as a player. Like a lot of people – Think about him as a lyricist and a vocalist. You listen to that live solo at the end of Go Your Own Way. It's crazy to think about that. It's absolutely crazy to think about that he's plucking that out without a pick. It's amazing. It really is. But we didn't go with that. We went with The Chain, which is my favorite Fleetwood Mac song. Maybe you disagree. That's okay. And there, There's so many great ones to choose from. I, I, I enjoy just kind of talking about some of this classic music. And so Fleetwood Mac, the chain, number one on our list of top ten bands uh, with couples. And, again, that was Roy's idea. If you have an idea for the top ten list, reach out and let us know. You can find Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And uh, he'll put you on a list. And eventually we'll get to you. Eventually, we got a lot of good ideas out there now, but we're always looking for more. And you never know, you may send me something that I really like, and I may go ahead and move you to the front of the list. And again, thanks as always for your support of the Top Ten list. Glad you guys are enjoying it. All right, we didn't do it earlier in the show. We didn't recognize our friends from Prime Shrimp. PrimeShrimp.com is an outstanding place to get your merchandising uh, for your shrimp. Uh, here's the deal. There, I get messages just about every day now from people that said, Steve, I tried it. It's a great product. And it absolutely is. I wouldn't partner with people that couldn't deliver on their promises. And you deal with that a lot in life, especially these days with all the supply chain issues and uh, unemployment issues and things of that nature. Some people just aren't delivering on their promises. Prime Shrimp always does. Go to primeshrimp.com and use promo code Boneyard. Save 20 bucks on your first order. How about that? And I, I submit to you, too, that the money-back guarantee is outstanding. How many places or how many companies can you eat their product and then if you're unsatisfied, get your money back? Money-back guarantee is always at primeshrimp.com. Four great flavors to choose from. You'll be glad that you used them. Uh, I'm telling you, that French Quarter Alfredo is my favorite. I, I like them all. But the French Quarter Alfredo, when I think, okay, that's what I'm going to have for dinner. And a lot of times it's just me. A lot of times it's just me here myself. And so I can get those fettuccine ribbons and uh, I can boil those up. And then I can get a pot of water together and get it boiling. Drop that shrimp in there. The Alfredo sauce comes with it. In like 10 minutes, I've got a high-quality meal. No cleanup or prep necessary. You don't have to devein the shrimp. You don't have to peel them. You don't have to... Um, you know, remove the tails. You just open up that handy pouch and just drop them in. Again, that's primeshrimp.com, promo code Boneyard. Use it. Give mom a break. Trust me. Once she starts using it, she's going to be like, hey, this is really good. Trust me on this. 
All right, uh, our friends at Campus Bookmart are sponsoring the next portion of the show. I love Campus Bookmart. You will too. Great people doing a great job for a great fan base. The latest in Mississippi State merch always available with, through the folks at Campus Bookmart. The lovely, talented Susie, Miss Kathy Brown, Miss Pam Menyard, everybody up there does a great job. And when you walk in, it's like going to Cheers. They're all so happy to see you because they know that you're family. There are a lot of places you go and you look around and it's like people kind of ignore you. And you're like you're doing them a favor or doing you a favor by being there. That's not the case. Quality people doing a quality job there at Campus Bookmark. If you can't make it to down, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmark.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely uh, incomplete. All right, let's talk a little baseball recruiting here. That's been a really popular topic here as of late. As well, it should be. And I don't think that's a thing, too. You, you begin to kind of realize now that maybe baseball recruiting is in some ways maybe kind of having the same impact on fan bases as basketball and football. You know, a lot of people you know, really love football recruiting. I think we're beginning to see baseball recruiting take a step forward because the game has advanced. There's a lot of people now that have more of a vested interest and coverage of college baseball now is kind of becoming a year-round event. You know, we got the fall baseball scrimmages and now all of a sudden you've got the transfer portal to deal with. And, you know, there's a lot of interest, of course. A lot of it. All right, so let's take a quick look here at the class of 22. We talk about recruiting. I think let's back up a little bit more here. Let's go back to 2020. And let's look and see how Mississippi State has done. Okay, so class of 2020 for Mississippi State was ranked 18th in the country. And believe it or not, that was actually ahead of Ole Miss. They were 19. But uh, you know, looking at our contemporaries, you know, uh, Florida was 13, Arkansas was 5, South Carolina was 4, and LSU was 2. Vanderbilt, 1 as always, you know, scholarship uh, advantages there. 2021. And a lot of these guys, as you guys, you know, they, they commit very early. All right, 2021 Mississippi State was 15th in the country. 15th in the country, and once again, ahead of Ole Miss. The, our contemporaries, Texas A&M 13, South Carolina 12, Alabama 10, LSU 7, Tennessee was 5, Arkansas 4, Vanderbilt 2, Florida 1. Now, the best signing class to date in the Chris Lamonis era is the 2022 class. And ironically, we actually finished behind Ole Miss this year. Mississippi State, eighth in the country, eighth. Auburn ahead of us at seven, Arkansas at five, Ole Miss at four, Vanderbilt two, LSU is at one. Now, I think Jay Johnson is going to do a good job at, at LSU. What's always going to be interesting is how are they going to kind of perform away from Alex Box when you kind of recruit to that ballpark? It's a different deal. All right, so let's run through kind of this class a little bit, and I'll kind of tell you what I'm hearing about things. All right, the number one player in our class is shortstop Jet Williams, a 5'8", 187-pound shortstop uh, from Rockwell Heath there in Heath, Texas. You know, we went into Rockwell and got uh, uh, Braden Locke as a quarterback. But Jet Williams is expected to be a first-rounder. Everybody you talk to, he's a consensus first-rounder. And there was some discussion earlier because of his size that perhaps he wouldn't be a first rounder it could be a guy that ultimately comes to school 
this guy is going to be cashing a check for millions of dollars here in about uh, two months. Uh, Gerangelo Sagente is the ambidextrous pitcher. Get the right-handed, left-handed. There's some rules that go along with that. He's from Pembroke Pines, Florida. Now, one of the things that we know about South Florida baseball recruiting is there are a lot of those guys, those scouts, like if they don't get what they want out of the draft, they will encourage guys to go to junior college for a year and then re-enter the draft pool next year. Well, uh, Gerangelo is planning to be here at Mississippi State here in about four weeks. Now, that's not going to preclude him from being drafted. He can come here for summer school and then be drafted there uh, July 19th. But we're beginning to hear that maybe he's not going to go quite as high as originally projected. So there's a good chance of him coming to school. And, uh, again, hearing that the junior college is not an option for him, that he, he's either going to be a bulldog or going to draft. Uh, so, again, kind of a, a different skill set there, being an ambidextrous pitcher. Dakota Jordan spoke with him earlier this week. Uh, he is elected not to go to pre-draft workouts, not going to the combine. He also will enroll early here at Mississippi State. I think there's a good chance he comes to school, getting more and more chatter. Because about six weeks ago, the talk was he really wants to sign. And he told me in the interview, he goes, you know, there's more to it than just the baseball part of it. There's, you know, the living life aspect of it. You've got to pay bills and you got to be responsible for yourself. And, you know, that's a lot for a young man to take on. And sometimes going to college is good. It teaches them to be a little more independent uh, before they enter kind of the adult world. So at this point, we do project him to come to school. And, you know, he was a football and baseball commitment, but will be baseball only now at Mississippi State. All right, the fourth highest-rated member of the class is Ross Highfield. I'm a huge Ross Highfield fan. He is one of the more athletic catchers that you're going to see. Perfect game awarded him a perfect 10 in their ratings. How about that? You'd expect that, right? Mississippi State should be able to get those kinds of guys. And uh, Mississippi, a baseball crazy state. But uh, Ross Highfield is a guy that can hit for power, can hit for average. Uh, from a physical standpoint, he's a little more advanced than some other guys. I don't think there's any question. This is a guy that can be a difference maker for Mississippi State. He, too, uh, is electing to come to school. He's uh, elected not to attend pre-draft workouts. I was told he had nine pre-draft workout invitations. He has turned those down and was invited to the uh, baseball combine and uh, not going to go there as well. All right, the next guy on our list, and those first four guys were all rated a perfect 10. Uh, by perfect game and um, that's a pretty good draw for us to be able to kind of get those guys you know guys that have major league baseball potential and major league baseball interest but those four are going to be you know three of those four we expect to be here all right so and again Gerangelo that's still kind of iffy Bradley Lofton, left-handed pitcher out of DeSoto Central. And I've had so many people tell me this guy is going to be a real dude on the college level. He's been a real dude in high school. And, uh, again, didn't have the best outing against Northwest Rankin. That in no way diminishes his high school career. This guy has had an outstanding career. I had one scout tell me that Bradley Lofton may be the key to the Mississippi State recruiting class. He's that good. He thinks that he can pitch on weekends right now, even if it's in middle relief. Now, I made a comment yesterday. We did some baseball bones. You know, I put out like five things that we're hearing about baseball recruiting. And uh, somebody responded and said they're good friends with the Loftons and said it's going to take a lot for him not to come to Mississippi State. I'm hearing that his asking price is rather substantial, and it's not because they're being greedy. It's just because of the fact that if he's going to bypass college, he's going to need life-changing money to do that. And so 
Uh, we'll see how things progress, but uh, kind of beginning to have some rising optimism that we get him. Now, McLean Ray is out of Belden, Mississippi. Went to Tupelo. This is another guy, too. 6'4", 195-pound right-handed pitcher. Uh, didn't do a lot of perfect game stuff, but this is one of those guys, too. You look at, you know, we need arms. We need young arms to kind of get developed, but he is a guy that I'm told will be a guy that uh, will be a professional baseball player at some point. All right, Logan Forsythe, this is another dude, man. I mean, like you talk to some of the guys that are involved with uh, the Mississippi State's recruiting class, guys that are in the class. Logan Forsythe is a guy that has a ton of potential. Right-handed pitcher, outfielder, shortstop, plays at the Iberville. He's rated a nine and a half, but he's a dude. You know, and he's a guy that could potentially get drafted too, but we're here to expect him to come to school. Now, Will Gibbs out of Jackson Prep, a lot of people in central Mississippi have told me that this is a guy here that uh, maybe even at a nine and a half is a little bit underappreciated as a prospect. You know, Will Gibbs, another, you know, another big strapping guy, um, right at six foot, you know, 100, 185 pounds. That's another dude that you're, they're expecting big things from. Evan Sierra is a guy that um, went to Starville Academy. A lot of people are high on him. Another uh, pitcher, another right-handed pitcher. And, the, the thing that you hear about with Sierra, and he's, you know, topped out 95-96, is how competitive he is. That this is a guy that's going to get out there and throw strikes and throw his best stuff at you, and then we'll kind of see how things, yeah, you know, progress from there. And so we expect him to come to school. And so here's the rest of the group, too. And we do expect these guys to be here. And so, you know, if you, if you kind of look at it right now, the only sure guy that is in a signing class that we don't expect to be here is Jet Williams. And it looks like State's going to do pretty well. You know, and one of our posters made a great comment. You want to have some signees that give you a little heartburn when it comes to the draft. You don't want to go out and sign a bunch of guys that aren't getting Major League Baseball interest. You want guys to turn down money and come to school. Now, in the past, we'd say, well, we need to go. We don't need to go sign these guys because we're going to lose them. I think now there's some families out there now that really are realizing, realizing the benefit of college baseball. And there are some guys, obviously, too, that don't have to wait the full three years to be draft eligible. They could be draft eligible after a second year on the college level and then still have two years of leverage to work with. So it kind of puts them in a better uh, bargaining position. Uh, Charlie Keller is a third baseman from Mobile, Alabama. Another guy, too, that uh, we're expected to come to school, you know, uh, Keller is a guy, too, that uh, has pitched a little bit, too, but uh, will be a third baseman, we suspect. Uh, Colton Bradley out of Pelahatchie, Mississippi, Hartfield Academy, you know, didn't play, you know, a great brand of high school baseball. But when Mississippi State wants you, you're a dude. In Hartfield Academy, you know, this is a team, too, that uh, you plays in, in maybe the lower level, I guess, of MAIS. I don't know they moved up this year, um, but – Colton Bradley's a guy, too, that uh, a lot of people believe he's kind of a dirtbag. You know, he's a guy that'll get out there and really compete and make the difficult play for you. Uh, Bryce Hubbard, a catcher from Woodstock, Georgia, out of Wesleyan. Another guy, too, that, uh, you know, rated really high, a perfect game. Rated as a nine with those guys. Bats left, those right. I like these left-handed power bats we're getting. Uh, David Mershon out of Taylor, South Carolina. This is another middle infielder type guy, uh, another left-handed hitter. Uh, could play either of the midfield spots. I suspect that, uh, you know, possibly uh, maybe more of a second baseman. Jay Murdoch out of Dawson, Georgia. 
6'2", 220-pound uh, first baseman out of uh, Terrell Academy out there. He'd been, been committed for a while, rated as an 8.5 uh, by perfect game. So, again, another quality player. We, we've gotten so caught up in a transfer portal, you know, it's like you forget the fact that you get all these dudes coming. Jackson Parker from Stringer had an incredible senior year for Stringer. Uh, had the walk-off home run to send those guys to the state championship. Um, a guy that is kind of unheralded in some respects, you know, played at a small town, but, you know, everybody you talk to talks about this is a guy that's a big-time, big-time competitor. I like the fact that it's the Mississippi State kid up there with the season on the line coming through with the big, 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 big hit there. Uh, Brock Tapper is a guy, left-handed pitcher out of Nesbitt, Mississippi, and I love these uh, incredibly uh, loud pinstripe uniforms that DeSoto Central had. And DeSoto Central has been just has been really good to Mississippi State. State's been good to DeSoto Central. It's a great high school baseball program. So you, you kind of know the quality of guy you're getting there. Uh, Austin Tomasini is out of Madison Central, and we have had some good success there as well. Uh, if a memory serves me correct, he also will be here uh, in July. And so that gives you Hunter Hines, that gives you uh, Ross Highfield, and then Tomasini, all from Madison Central. It would be nice to kind of keep that Madison Central and DeSoto Central pipeline going. Uh, Ryan Williams is another catcher. That's, that's three in this class. He's out of Cypress, Texas, but he's also a utility guy can pitch a little bit as well. So that's what you've got right now. And I think it's important to kind of look at this and um, you know, kind of understand that this is going to be a deal where Mississippi State is going to have a good mix of high school players and a good mix of portal guys. You need them both. And there's so many people that say, well, you know, Steve, are we abandoning high school recruiting in favor of the portal. Well, I think what you're going to do now is you're going to chase the high school stars supplement from the portal. And I think the developmental guy probably ends up going to junior college. And I think this maybe benefits other miss a little bit too. Those kids in the past that maybe state don't miss would have chased, um, you know, may, may go there. You know, just because of the fact, I think that, you know, the demand to win here is so much higher. That's, that, to me, that's very interesting. And it's kind of looked like Ross Highfield – I'm just kind of give you an idea, too, that you know, a lot of people say, well, he's a Madison Central kid. Okay, he's got offers from Appalachian State, Auburn, LSU, State, Old Dominion, Sanford, A&M, Tulane, UAB, Alabama, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Southern Miss, Tennessee, Martin, Texas, Vanderbilt, and Delta State. And then he chose Mississippi State, as he should. You look at Bradley Lofton, and I'm sure they've added some offers since then, LSU, Mississippi State, Florida, Ole Miss, and Vanderbilt. I mean, you're competing with the Blue Bloods there. That's what people, well, Steve, you know, well, I don't really know what the perfect game ranking looks like, but um, what does the offer sheet look like? And so I think it's important to kind of look at that stuff too. Will Gibbs, guy from Prep, Auburn, Mississippi State, Alabama, Ole Miss, Southern Miss. That's a good offer sheet right there. It's a really good offer sheet. And so I, I just throw that out there just to kind of give you an idea of kind of, you know, the, the quality of players that – Mississippi State has from an objective third-party evaluation group rather than just us, right? It's like it's one thing. If we're just sitting here telling you these guys are good, and that's that's kind of how it used to be in football, right? Everybody's like, well, if, if so-and-so says they're good, they got to be great. Well, you don't have to take our word for it. You can kind of, you know, look and listen to, uh, you know, the offer sheets that are out there. And I think that's a big part of it, too. And, 
you know, it's a little different, I guess. You know, football, there are a lot of people that claim offers they don't have and uh, to kind of generate some buzz. But um, baseball is a little bit different, I guess. And that's not to say there's not people out there that don't, don't have, uh, you know, offers listed on their profile that are not, uh, you know, not big-time type guys. We're talking about uh, Austin Thomasini, look at him now. L- offers from LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Southern Miss. And that's a guy that's down your commitment list. It's a guy that didn't command a huge rating. But you look at his offer sheet and you're like, hey, you know, if LSU wants him and Ole Miss wants him, they got to be pretty good. You know, at the end of the day, I think if Mississippi State wants him, that's enough. But it's also nice to get your evaluation, you know, kind of confirmed by somebody else. That some there's somebody else involved in this deal that says, hey, we believe this guy's an SEC guy as well. And so I just throw that out there too. I'm not going to run down the entire list, but I just I thought you guys would find that of interest that, um, you know, these are the dudes that are coming in because we've had so much focus on transfer ins and transfer outs. I don't think people really appreciate the fact that we've got a really good class, the best of Chris Lamonis' um, Mississippi State tenure that's coming in too. And these are guys that will be around for a little while. And you've got some junior college guys coming in as well. And so I just think it's important. Let, let's look at the totality of the situation. And you've got some big-time dudes from the high school ranks coming in, and it's always difficult for a freshman. You remember JT Ken came in and did pretty well too. And he had the weight of the world on his shoulders the whole time he was here. You know, I don't think there's any question about that, too. You know, this is a guy that I, I, uh, there are some guys, too, that I think will kind of follow in that, that same, you know, path of coming to college and then kind of improve their standing. And it's one thing, too, like a JT again. It's, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say, hey, I turned down, you know, $25 million. JT again had a contract in front of him. He did. And wanted to come to Mississippi State. I think that's an important aspect of all of this is that and that's a guy, too, that came here, and even though he was banged up a little bit, put himself in a situation where he made more money. Now, looking ahead a little bit, too, we talk about, well, you know, it's the first top ten class for him, uh, for Lamontis and Mississippi State. Well, we're stacking them because in 2023, as it stands today, Mississippi State eighth in the country. And that class didn't finish, obviously. Those guys will sign this fall. But you're eighth right now. Uh, Old Miss 17, Alabama 16, Tennessee 15. Like people are like, oh, Tennessee's recruited at such a high level. Well, Mississippi State's ahead of them for 2023. South Carolina 13, Auburn 10, Georgia 9, State is 8, Florida 7, LSU 4, Arkansas 2, Vanderbilt 1. So you know, we're right there in the mix, you know, those blue blood uh, classes. And I'll give you a real quick rundown of this before we move on. But, um, you know, Dylan Cup, Cedartown, Georgia, highly rated shortstop the highest rated player in the class and he's a big time guy and we're probably gonna have to fight hard to keep uh major league baseball off of him uh Nolan Stevens first baseman out of Elk Grove California that's another thing too that these, I start, like shooting down these narratives you know people are like well, we don't we need to recruit more than just Mississippi and Alabama well there, you got a Georgia kid a California kid then you got Jackson McKenzie from Pace Florida another big first baseman 6'3 210 uh, Makai Grant, a guy from Georgia, right-handed pitcher. And you got Reeves Reynolds, Jackson Prep. Uh, Kylon Parnell is a guy that uh, has recently picked up some uh, football offers. He's out of Pascagoula. And then uh, John Walsh, Alexandria. Losing our pitchers have kind of been interesting for us, haven't they? Uh, but I just bring this up because I think it's important. You have to have a balance high school recruiting and portal recruiting. And you got to get some junior college, too. And I think at times we've been a little bit junior college heavy. 
And I think it's hurt us a little bit. But uh, that said, there are a lot of layers to this deal. And I think it's important to kind of understand that we're not just reliant on the portal. And you know, to read the genespage.com message boards, that's all anybody wants to talk about is the portal. And so we've written some articles, Robbie and I both this week, about you know some of the signees and kind of what's going on with them because there's, there's some help on the way. There are a lot of reinforcements that are headed to Mississippi State. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by our friends at Portico. You know, speaking of baseball, that's Brooks Bryan. I see Brooks is uh, Brooks down there on the beach right now. Must be nice. I'll be there next week. And I submit it's probably a better beach, Brooks. No, uh, Brooks is my buddy, man. And uh, here's the thing, too. Brooks got a lot of friends. And because, you know, when you're a nice guy, that tends to happen. Uh, may explain why I don't have more. Uh, but Brooks is involved with this great group that's bringing this wonderful residential development to Starkville Portico. We've talked about it many times on the show. If I was moving to Starkville now, it's where I'd move. There's no question about it. That is where I would move. And so I think it's uh, kind of important for you, if you're considering moving to the Starkville area or perhaps getting an investment property or perhaps just getting a place here as a secondary home, maybe one day it'll be your retirement home. Now's the time to move. Now is the time to make the move. Uh, phase one is completely sold out. Ten houses now being construct- constructed in phase two. Two of them are sold. So there's eight that are up for sale now. And then there will be some room for some more custom builds, right? And so you can still pick out your lot, pick out your house plans, and have your place in Starville exactly as you want it. Just 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. Easy to find. You turn off 82 on the 12. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. Very easy to find. You'll be glad you did. And if your real estate agent hasn't mentioned Portico to you, maybe ask why. That's where I'd want to live. Come be my neighbor. It's going to be incredible. Make Portico your next move. All right, I'm almost done with the show. And once I get done with the show, I'm going to head to campus. Because Top Dog Campus this evening. There'll be some guys that'll begin showing up this afternoon. We want to be there to kind of get an inventory of who's here, get pictures, and kind of be the paparazzi, all that kind of stuff. Um, the reality of it is, this is a big weekend for Mississippi State. Chris Parson, quarterback prospect uh, out of Ravenwood High School up there in Tennessee. Current Florida State commitments can be here. It's a big deal just to get him here. But it's not just a courtesy visit. I talked to some people closely aligned with the family. They say, hey, this is a serious thing. You know, he doesn't just want to be known as a dual threat guy. He can use his legs to go make some plays. And listen, think about what we've run in the air raid uh, since Mike has been here. If you had a guy with a little more athleticism, not that Will's a bad athlete. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, you know, but KJ was a guy that really wasn't a running threat. Will is adequate as a runner. That's not his strong suit. But Parson can be. But Parson's also, you know, he, he wants to be considered a pass-first quarterback. And uh, his numbers are good. He completed almost 70% of his passes last year. And running a different scheme. So he's going to be here. His dad, Lamont, took some classes at Mississippi State. Uh, family, some Pascagoula. I understand he still has some family in the greater Starkville area here in the Golden Triangle. Uh, so that's big, too. So he's going to come, take the visit, and then we'll see. There is a lot of chatter, even among the Florida State publishers, 247 Sports, The Florida State's going to have a tough time hanging on to Chris Parson. And not just because Mississippi State's involved and Mike Leach, but there's been some maybe a rift, maybe some misunderstandings or a miscommunication on the part of Florida State, and maybe that's being nice about it. 
but I understand when Chris Parson committed to them, you know, back, uh, you know, a year ago in July of 2021, that he was assured he would be the guy in his class. And he's been kind of working to recruit and get other guys to go to Florida State. Then all of a sudden, Florida State's decided to go chase two more quarterbacks or chase another quarterback. They're going to have two in their class. And apparently that's not been very well received. And that's not to any way to suggest that Chris Parson is not scared to compete. But when you have a coaching staff that gives you an assurance of, hey, this is how things are going to be, and then they change, and you find out about it on social media, you got to rethink things. This is a big decision. And Mike Norvell is, is a good coach. Mike Norvell did a great job at Memphis, and I think he's going to do okay at Florida State. I think he needs to have a big year this year. Uh, but, you know, Florida State, that's a blue blood program, and I think we need Florida State to be good uh, you know, for the health of college football. But all that said, a lot of chatter that Parsons is going to back off that commitment. Now, will he do it this weekend? I don't know. I'm not expecting that. I'm not expecting him to flip. I mean, I guess he certainly could. But based on what I've heard about the situation, you know, they're, they're going to get out, come tour the campus, not going to camp, no need to throw, just spend some time with the staff, get to know the lay of the land here, what are my opportunities here at Mississippi State, and then go home, sit down, and make a decision over the next couple of weeks. Now, as a quarterback, you don't want this thing to linger in, right? If you want to kind of have a decision. And plus, I hear Chris is a, a very dogged recruiter. You know, Chris wants to help put a class together. So the sooner you get a quarterback in, the better off you're going to be. And, again, State's offered, what, you know, nine quarterbacks in this class? You know, Mike Leach is not a guy out there that's going to throw a ton of quarterback offers out there because what if somebody wants to commit that doesn't really fit the scheme? And Mike is very involved in the quarterback evaluations himself. He watches all this film himself. And then he and his guys sign off and say, okay, let's go make the offer. And then Leach, more times than not, is the guy making the offer. Now, there are some guys, too, that are listed as quarterbacks in a 247 database that aren't being recruited as quarterbacks. Uh, but Chris Parson certainly is. Not the biggest guy. He's around 5'11", just under six feet. Uh, good thing we're in the shotgun, right? But the guy really throws a deep ball well. The underneath stuff is very, very good. Uh, and then, of course, too, when things break down, he can tuck it and go and get you first down. And so it'll be good to see him on campus. And then hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to him after the visit. But no guarantees. We're going to try. And then in addition to that, because you don't want anybody to feel overshadowed when they come and talk to I mean, I, I suspect there'll be less than 100 today and probably a, a cattle call of guys on Saturday. Uh, to come to camp. But a lot of your in-state targets, and, and Paul and I spoke yesterday, Paul Jones and I, uh, we hadn't been able to nail down Isaac Smith yet. It'd be great to get him on campus. And, and that's a guy with a lot of Ole Miss ties. And in the beginning, I was told he's definitely a good Ole Miss. Now I'm told he's a little more open about things. And State's still kind of chasing him. I'm not in any way trying to suggest State's in charge or not. Uh, but State's got has developed a good relationship with he and the family. And so I'd like to get him on campus, be around the other in-state guys, uh, all four of your, your commitments are going to be here. And then a lot of your in-state targets, again, I think just about everybody but Isaac Smith has confirmed that they're going to be here. And some of these guys, too, we've only seen them on tape. And there, it's, you know, a lot of times that the highlight tape is shot from on top of the press box, and so you don't get a really good idea of how big certain guys are. You can see how explosive they are. And so it will be good to kind of get field level and see how big these guys are and kind of see, you know, what they're about. Uh, I'm excited to get back out there. I love this time of year. I love being able to kind of identify the puzzle pieces, but also, too, you know, the guys you've been talking to for a couple months, 
you get a chance to see them in action, you can say, yeah, this, this is a sure enough bona fide SEC guy. So, uh, again, you know, this time last year, uh, I'm getting ready to go to Omaha, right? I go to a camp, and next thing you know, we're on the road. Uh, and so Paul had to cover a lot of that. So that's one benefit, I guess, of us not going to the College World Series. We'll be able to provide more in-depth coverage. I would much prefer to be in Omaha. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I'm looking forward to being out here and having a chance to see the guys work out and compete, kind of watch them interact with your coaches. And, and uh, we'll, have, we'll have a ton of interviews. We'll get a bunch up, and that'll, that'll kind of linger throughout the next week or so. Uh, we'll do our best to kind of distribute that. We're not going to – we're going to interview as many guys as we can – especially all the guys with offers and certainly the guys that get new offers. Those are the guys that we're kind of identifying. There will be some walk-ups. There will be some guys that come to camps that are not Mississippi State offer candidates. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. I mean, you can't have an invitation-only camp. Uh, But they'll have like an unofficial visit. The guys will start filtering in this afternoon, and then uh, we'll have an opportunity to see them in action this evening. And so there will be a game thread. If you're a jeanspage.com subscriber, and you should be, uh, Paul will have a thread on the board, top dog camp live thread. And as things happen, develop, guys show up or guys get offers or whatever, we'll update that thread and then we'll have, uh, you know, some stories tonight and some evaluations, you know, some guys that we saw. That's, that's what we're there for, right? We're there to go watch those guys compete and then, you know, kind of com- communicate that information to you. Uh, Zay Alexander, big offensive lineman out of Tupelo. I, I, I like him a lot, and he's lost about 30 pounds uh, season to season. He was a big guy last year. He's still a big guy, but he's in better shape now. He's cut some weight. He's quicker. He's faster. I'm eager to see him in action. And that's one of the things I love about the camps. It's not just the one-on-ones with receivers and, and DBs. I like to see the OLDL reps, especially this year, because I think this year there's a couple of guys in Mississippi – that, um, you know, are, are maybe marginal SEC guys, and I think they need, you know, they need one of these one of these situations here where you've got, uh, you know, you get a chance to go compete and show these coaches what you can do and show that you belong at this level. And there's a couple of guys in state that are kind of in that mix, you know, guys that are surefire D1 guys. Are they SEC guys? And this is a chance to kind of, maybe take a step towards proving that. Uh, I think Zay is absolutely an SEC guy. I don't think there's any question about that. And so uh, I do expect him to be a Bulldog. Not sure when it's going to be. But I think that Zay Alexander is a guy, probably a big name to watch. And then you've got the Delta contingent. You've got Amorion Blakes. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Um, Dante is another guy that's going to come. Dante Kelly's going to come out there. I think he do a good job. Uh, Kelly Jones out of Clarksdale. I'm eager to see him. But Kendrick James. And then, you know, Jamarius Brown from Moss Point, that's a guy that uh, in the beginning people said Mississippi State didn't have a chance with. And then there was talk on the Ole Miss side here a month ago that he was on the verge of committing to Mississippi State. He is not as big as listed, but he is explosive. I would absolutely take him. And I think this camp is big in that respect. I think if he is a guy that goes out there and has a good camp, I think you could see Mississippi State kind of ratchet up their pursuit of him. But uh, it was a good job getting him on campus before. Again, people acted like it was a foregone conclusion that he would not come to Mississippi State. Came to campus, had a great time. Uh, but, yeah, again, we never really know who all is coming to camp. We reach out to the guys that uh, we are aware of and find out they're coming, and it looks like it's going to be you know, a really, really good turnout for tonight. And then tomorrow, you know, like I said, it'll probably be one of those three or 400 cattle call type camps. And, you know, that's, you know, anybody can come, right? And so you never know who's a prospect and who's not. So we'll have to kind of watch that a little bit closer 
And there'll be a lot of high school coaches that come up and say, hey, Steve, can you get a picture of my kid? And, and we'll meet guys that way too. And so we'll have some information. And, again, this is, this is kind of what I built a career on is this kind of stuff. And um, you know, kind of the infancy for me as a sports writer when I went to work with Gene is, uh, you know, doing recruiting. And I remember when people used to do one recruiting story a day, and I started doing three, you know. And so we kind of ramped it up a little bit. And I was like, you know, hey, I've got time, you know. Uh, so now I don't have quite as much time. But I, I love getting out here and kind of getting back to my roots, you know. And Paul and I both talk. There are times like, you know, we're kind of on the fence. I really like this kid. I'm not so sure. And you get a chance to watch them together. You get a chance to watch them compete. And what's interesting, too, is like we don't really compare notes until we're done. And more times than not, whether it be me or Robbie or Gene or Paul, like we get together and it's like, hey, this kid's really good. And it's like you look at your list and you're like, yeah, I've got him written down too. You know, the cream always rises at the top. So full coverage of Top Dog Camp over at jeanspage.com. And then on Monday we'll come back and we'll, we'll talk about the developments and I'll give you some, you know, some comments and some guys that maybe took a step forward, perhaps some guys that didn't, and maybe we've got a commitment or two to talk about. I'm not expecting – you know, a huge commitment weekend. You know, we've had those in the past. You know, we had like an eight, nine commitment big dog camp uh, several years back. Not expecting that. I think this staff is a little more cerebral. And, you know, we only got four commitments right now. We haven't really pushed. And I think this weekend will kind of give us uh, maybe a, ref- a refined pecking order of sorts. But I'm excited. And uh, you guys should be as well. So follow all the happenings over at jeanspage.com tonight on our True Maroon Forum. All right, the uh, second printing of Dogpile is finally here. I uh, got them yesterday. A few changes made here and there, and I know many of you were kind of waiting for the second printing. It's here, and uh, we're going to put, I guess there's less than 100 of the first edition. We're going to put those back. We're going we're gonna to keep those. We're going to hold those back um, and maybe sell them at a later date. So now when you buy one, you're getting the new edit, uh, and it's got a, a little bit different uh, book jacket. But so when you see that, you'll understand it's a second edition. And so I encourage you now, go out, buy the book now. In stores, they still got first editions. When you order through Dogpile, the book website, you're going to get the second edition. The new and improved edition, I guess you could say. Uh, and, of course, I told you guys before, there's, there's less than 100 copies of Stark Bellins available now. Less than 100. Um, I think it's about 60 or so. Alpha Dogs right behind it, right at it, like 80 or 90. And so we're not going to print those books again this year. We'll probably do a short run next year, but there's no guarantee. Um, so they may be out of print for a while. So if you haven't picked up Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs, now's the time to do it because you're going to wait. And this is how it always works. Steve, where can I get Stark Villains? Hey, it's not in print this year. And they're like, maybe you can find it at a bookstore. And then you've got to call around, save yourself the trouble, and just go ahead and buy it. And, of course, you get Blooms of Oleander through Amazon.com. You can get it as an ebook too. A lot of people ask about that. That's the only one of my books on ebooks is uh, Blooms of Oleander, the shortest one. Um, and then, of course, Dogpile and Flim Flam. Buy, like, if you've got, like, the uh, Ole Miss father-in-law, maybe get him a copy of Flim Flam for Father's Day. How about that? That's a good idea. That's a good idea. You can get that at dogpilethebook.com or in great bookstores everywhere around the great state of Mississippi. That's going to do it for today, man. I'm getting ready to go out there and uh, enjoy Top Dog Camp and uh, look forward to getting back and chatting with you guys about that a little bit later. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.